This conflict is ancient. It's 6,000 years old. And unfortunately and regrettably, it's still going on. Welcome to the Know Why Podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. We are interrupting our series on healthy tech habits to discuss a timely issue that we want to address here on the Know Why podcast, and that is what is going on right now in Israel. Um, We are recording this episode at the end of October. Earlier this month, on October 7th, Hamas uh, invaded Israel in a horrific terroristic attack, um, targeting civilians, um, including children. We saw uh, evidence of horrific violence um, that was, in many cases, recorded by Hamas, instances of stealing people's phones, brutally murdering them, live streaming it to their friends and family on social media, uh, killing whole families, raping women, beheading children, just unspeakable um, things. And so obviously this has resulted in the war that we are now seeing in the news between Israel and Hamas. And so we want to address this because our thing here on the Know Why podcast is to help you as a listener navigate what you believe about the big questions in life, Um, and most importantly, to know why you believe it. Don't believe something just because, well, that's why I was raised and I never questioned it. Really, no. Don't believe something just because you see it online or you read it in the media. Really have confidence in what your beliefs are. And so in the interest of that, I invited Dr. Gary Frazier to uh, talk with us on the Know Why podcast today um, about what's going on in Israel. And as this is a Christian podcast from a Christian perspective, I wanted him to discuss really the biblical history surrounding Israel because we're seeing this um, war and, and the attacks going on in the news right now. But this is just the latest event in a millennia long a conflict um, that has has to do with Israel. So Dr. Frazier is really going to bring us kind of that historical perspective and the biblical perspective, which can be enlightening regardless of what your beliefs are. And, and we hope that you, you listen to it and learn something new. Uh, so just let me introduce Dr. Frazier. He is a respected speaker and writer on the subject of biblical prophecy, current events. He speaks in approximately 50 to 75 churches and conferences annually. He is a former pastor and has traveled to Israel more than 150 times since the 70s. You told me exactly how many a minute ago before we started recording. 187. 187 (laughs) visits to Israel. Since 1971. So uh, Dr. Gary also founded Discovery Missions International, uh, which is located in Dallas. And so he's the president of that. Um, And so let's just say, to sum it all up, you have a lot of experience when it comes to Israel. You've been there. Um, You also have an office over there and staff um, mm-hmm. who have been seeing all of this and experiencing this firsthand. So mm-hmm. this is this is personal for you. It is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and it's a joy to be with you today, Liberty. Thank you for having me. And it is a very timely uh, and, 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 and really an urgent uh, opportunity to 
to shed some light, to expose evil at the same time, help people to better understand how to get their arms, how to get their head, their emotions around what we see happening on a day-by-day basis coming out of Israel. Right. And so thank you so much for being here and um, educating me as well as our (laughs) listening audience. I know I'm going to learn a lot today as well. So speaking of, you know, the history Mm -hmm. here, let's go all the way back to the beginning. There is a biblical story that has to do with some key figures. Even if you weren't raised in church, you may have heard some of these names, Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. And there's Mm -hmm. a biblical curse and blessing in that story. And and we're really seeing that still have an effect today. So can you give us yeah, the rundown? Yeah, let me kind of, let me, let me try to connect some dots for us okay. in the next few moments. You know, one of the things that that our listeners need to understand is that whether they have ever read the Bible or not, or whether or not those even who have read it agree with it or disagree with it, uh, the Bible, of course, is in our understanding, and it claims to be in, its, in the Bible itself, It is the inspired word of God. It's God's communication to mankind. And so God allowed his word, these historical narratives, to be written down and recorded and given to us in what we would call the Old Testament. And the the situation today is, is that so many of our churches have sort of abandoned, uh, not necessarily you know, intentionally or so, but kind of have abandoned teaching from the Old Testament, and they focus mostly on the life and ministry of Jesus in the New Testament and so forth. Well, the problem with that is, is that who picks a book up and starts in the middle and reads forward Mm -hmm. uh, to the end without reading the initial part? And so that's kind of what we've become guilty of. And so what happens is, is that in this book, first of all, we have a creator God who then brought certain people on the line, such as, for example— um, Noah comes along, and we get have all these genealogies in the Bible, which nobody really likes to read, mm-hmm. except they're very informative when you start paying attention to them. But having said all that, we come, first of all, uh, to a man by the name of Noah. And the Bible tells us that while God created the world, created man, and he said of man that when he created it, that man is very good. Everything else was good. Man was very good, but yet the Bible goes on to say that man thought only to do evil in his heart always. Mm. And so what we find is, is in Genesis chapter 6, when God is talking about the fact that the world that he created was filled with, consumed with violence, that word violence in the Hebrew text actually is the word Hamas. Wow. Most people have no idea that that word is actually in the Bible, but it is. Mm. But anyway, fast forward, the, God destroyed everything that he created with the exception of Noah, his wife, and their three sons and their wives, eight people total, survived. And people f- have a hard time believing that that actually happened. But that is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It is reality. And they came out from the ark, began the repopulation process, and it wasn't very long until we came to about 2000 B.C. when we are introduced in Scripture and history to a man by the name of Abram, whose name would later be changed to Abraham. And what we find is, is that in Genesis 12, Abraham is dwelling in a place to the north of Israel today. And uh, and so God speaks to him, and he tells him, if you will leave your land and your people, <clears throat> excuse me, and go to the land that I will show you, I will, and he gives him four things that he'll do. He says, first of all, he said, I will make you a great nation. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing to all people, 
And lastly, he said, whoever blesses you, him will I curse. Whoever, I mean, you know, whoever blesses you, him will I bless. Whoever curses you, him will I curse. Mm. Well, so God had made Abraham these certain blessings that Abraham obeyed. He followed God down to a geographically locatable strip of real estate that was occupied at the time by the ancient Canaanite people. But God intended that the descendants of Abraham, specifically, according in chapters 15 and chapter 17 of Genesis, through the child of promise, Isaac, not the child Ishmael. Ishmael, as we know from those who perhaps they've heard it in Sunday school or Bible classes or they've read the Bible themselves, uh, the word Ishmael comes, it simply means God hears. And so the bottom line is God had told Sarah and Abram they were going to have a child in their old age. Well, they thought that was humorous. Mm-hmm. And Abraham said, hey, will a son be born to a man at 100? And will Sarah give birth to a child at 90? And so they thought that was real funny. And so they wanted to see it immediately. And while it didn't happen, Sarah came up with plan B. And that was to have a child through a surrogate, her, her Egyptian surrogate by the name of Hagar. And so she gets pregnant uh, and Ishmael is born. And, and let's be clear, Abraham loved him. But that was not the child of promise that was going to come miraculously, and that came about when Isaac was born. And so now we have these two brothers, and they are at each other, so to speak. And so this conflict is ancient. It's 6,000 years old, and unfortunately and regrettably, it's still going on. So the issue today is about the land of Israel. So God gave this little strip of land to the descendants of Abraham through the child of promise, Isaac. And what happens is, why would God do that? I mean, what, what's so important about this particular piece of land? Well, first of all, it is the where the ancient trade routes, mm. where they would leave Asia Minor and make their way along the Mediterranean coastal plain down into Egypt. It was called It's called today the Via Maris, the way of the sea. And so by strategically placing them there, God intended that as these merchants carried their goods and services to and fro, north and south, that they would be infected with the worship of one God, monotheism, a single creator, because these people were pagan idolaters and they had a plurality of gods. And then on to the east of the Via Maris was the ancient King's Highway, which runs through what is today Jordan and ends up down at the Suez Canal and so forth and so on. So we have this small piece of land that we call Israel today. And I don't know if our listeners know this, but it's only 55 miles from the Mediterranean to the Jordan River. Mm. And it's only about 260 miles from north to south. So we're talking about a sliver of a land that will virtually fit in the peninsula of Florida between Orlando and Miami. It'll fit within the Garden State of New Jersey. That's how small it is. Mm -hmm. And think about this. Every day we hear about it in the media. Why is that? Because it's a God thing. And so this conflict that's raging right now has to do with an ancient, ancient uh, issue, and the average person today just doesn't understand why this is taking place, but it's been going on for 6,000 years. Mm, yeah, all of that is just is so fascinating. Um, and as a Christian who is familiar with these stories that you're talking about, I had never really thought about the geographical location of Israel before Mm -hmm. until you mentioned that it being along those trade routes, because I think that leads me to kind of another question I was going to ask later, but it goes so well now. Um, God 
chose Abraham at, to be the father of a nation as his chosen people, but he cared about other people groups and wanted to bring them to himself. And so he was using that nation in a strategic location to try to bring other people to him. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you have never really thought about it through that lens before, but that leads us to something that I know a lot of people are kind of wrestling with today. Um, if you support Israel or you think that Israel should have the land that God promised to them, you know, does that mean that you hate Palestinians or, you know, shouldn't we care about them? Doesn't God love them too? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of seen as like, well, you either, you know, support these people or these people, but that's kind of, I think, missing the point a little bit. Do you want to address well, that? Well, you know, it's, I would just remind everyone that Second Peter 3, 9, the Bible says it's God's will that all men would come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When Christ came to show us who the Father was, he offered himself as the only way for a person to be reconciled uh, to a holy God. And so when Jesus died, a liberty, he died for everyone. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't certainly doesn't stop with the Jews or the Palestinians, Jew or Gentile alike. Mm -hmm. The whole world is separated from God by sin and only through Jesus Christ. And by the way, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, there's still only one way to get to God the Father, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. That's what John 6, 44 is all about. Mm -hmm. He said, no one can come to me. This is Jesus speaking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Mm -hmm. Well, the good news for everybody, for the whole world, is that Jesus Christ draws. The, he, he's drawing everyone, trying to draw everyone to himself. And yet we know that the majority of the world today is lost. And Matthew 7, Jesus makes it perfectly clear in verse 13 and following, when he says that broad is the road that leads to destruction, and most people go that way, but narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. It's really interesting in that passage and teaching of Jesus because he contrasts the few with the many mm -hmm. because the very next portion of that in Matthew 7, 22, it said, says, many will say to me on that day, and that is the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name done miracles? And Jesus will say to them, depart from me, you who work iniquity, for I never knew you. Mm -hmm. So there's the semblance of religion, which is man's idea, because religion was created by man. Relationship is created by God himself. And his desire is that all of us would have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So talking again, about kind of the Palestinian side of things. This is something I think a lot of people have heard. Uh, hasn't Palestine been a nation for over a thousand years? Going back to, you know, that geographical location that we've been talking about, um, is Israel the occupier in this situation? Yeah. So let me, let me address it in this way. First of all, God gave the land to the Jews, okay? In his covenant of Genesis 15, he said, I'll give you this land forever, and then he further reiterates that in Genesis 17, verse 17 through 21, when he is talking about uh, having a conversation with Abram about this child that's going to be born in his old age. And Abram virtually says to God, uh, would that Ishmael could live under your blessing? And God said, I heard you, and I'm going to make Ishmael into a great nation. He will be the ruler of 12 nations. And so God did, in fact, bless Ishmael. But then God goes on to say, but, and these are three important words, but my covenant, he says, will be to Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. 
So the point of this is, is that God miraculously birthed a nation of people without a human seed because Abraham was beyond, uh, you know, in almost 100 years old. Sarah was past the year, the, her years of childbearing. So miraculously, Isaac is born as the first, quote-unquote, Hebrew on the face of the earth. Now, later they would be changed, they would be called Jews because of the tribe of Judah. But having said that, so now we've got this, this unique chosen group of people, and now God has given them a homeland. And that land was, of course, called Israel. And then we've got these people who uh, were born through the lineage of Ishmael down the line. They then came upon the land uh, after Israel was expelled from the land. You see, in 70 AD, the Jewish people were cast out of the land of Israel. And for 1,878 years, you couldn't find Israel on a map anywhere in the world. And in 135 AD, Hadrian, the Roman emperor, changed the name of Israel from Israel to Syria-Palestinia because that's where the Philistines came from, and they were the arch enemies of Israel. And so it was an insult to the Jewish people that that land would be changed from Israel to Syria-Palestinia. But in, in the interim period of the Jewish people being scattered, and by the way, let me reiterate this, we know for a fact that there's always been a presence of Jewish people, even though the Romans expelled them and sold them into the slave markets of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's always been a small group of Jewish people in the land. Sometimes it's, it's somewhere between eight and 10,000 people as a rule. So they were never completely out of the land, but for the <laughs> most part, they were. In the interim time, powerful nations came and went. For example, in 1517, the Ottoman Turkish Empire would rule over the world in that part of the world from 1517 to 1917 for 400 years until the end of World War I. And so it was during these years that these wandering nomadic herdsmen uh, who ultimately became Muslims in their, because the Islam dominated that part of the world during that particular time frame, they came up from the peninsula of Saudi Arabia for two reasons. One, uh, for work, to find work. And the second thing was, was to find grazing for their crops and so forth. And so they settled on a land. Now, this is real critical. A land that was called Palestine, but it was never a country. There has never been a Palestinian nation or country or state. The land, you know, we hear a lot in the media about, well, if the Jews would just give the land back prior to 1948. Well, if they did that, listen to this. First of all, they would have to give the northern part to Syria. They would have to give the eastern part to Jordan. They would have to give the southern part to Egypt. There never has been a Palestinian nation mm -hmm. or a quote-unquote Palestinian land. In fact, most of our listeners would probably be surprised to know that in 1948, the newspaper that today is the Jerusalem Post was called the Palestinian Post, and that everyone who lived on that land, both Jews and Arab Muslims, were all called Palestinians mm. because that was just a territorial land since 135 A.D. But there was no one who said, and we have the historical documents to verify this. For example, an incredible uh, book was written by a lady by the name of Joan Peters. The title of the book was From Time Immemorial. Now, Joan Peters was a very sympathetic individual to the, quote-unquote, the poor Palestinian plight. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. In other words, in 1948, when they fled from the east, western part of Israel down to the Jordan Valley, United Nation camps and so forth and so on, she was very sympathetic to them. Uh, but it was their leaders that told them to run. And it wasn't the Jewish people because the leaders of the Palestinians said, if you don't leave, the Jews are going to kill you. Well, the Jews said, you can live in peace with us if you like. But they didn't. They fled. So Joan Peters does incredible research writing a pro-Palestinian book. As she did her research, she came to understand the legality of Israel's existence versus the non-legal right of these people to call it their homeland. Mm -hmm. So this gets very complicated uh, unless a person is willing really to do their due diligence in doing some research and study. So today what we're seeing, thousands of people marching daily in favor of the Palestinian state, virtually heralding the fact that great atrocities are taking place. But and, and, and here's the thing. People supporting that kind of those murdering terrorist thugs, would they be the same people that would support the Nazis in the, in the attempt to totally exterminate the Jewish people? Because it certainly seems so. Mm. Yeah. And just to clarify, we're, you know, speaking of Hamas, mm. you know, when we talk about um, the murderers, because like you were telling me before the show, you've got lots of Palestinian friends. Lots of friends. And when we talk about the Gaza Strip specifically, there are so many innocent people there. Um, I was just uh, listening, watching a video today because um, there's been a media blackout where Mm -hmm. it's very hard for journalists to get into the Gaza Strip and report on what's actually happening. But there are organizations that are, you know, discreetly trying to help Mm -hmm. uh, the word get out. So you listen to interviews happening today with people living there saying, you know, we don't like Hamas. Hamas is causing, you know, us to die, us to lose our jobs, our homes to be bombed. You know, when we demonstrate against Hamas, which did happen, I don't know if, this oh, is yeah, several a lot of, times it's happened. Uh-huh. Right, and uh, they get People punished die. and killed by Hamas for yeah. that. So this isn't, you know, against the, the innocent civilians who are right. being, you know, caught up here. This is about, um, you know, the, the terror group that is controlling the Gaza Strip. And speaking specifically of the Gaza Strip, I wanted to also just, you know, kind of quickly go over why is that the point of contention Right now, we've got, you know, thousands of years, and you've explained it so well, of kind of, you know, the history of Israel as a nation, um, but why the battle over this particular area? Well, when Bill Clinton in 1998 <clears throat> proposed his uh, uh, the Oslo Peace Accords, uh, the whole idea behind that was that the Jewish people uh, would give up land that they conquered and liberated in 1967 in the Six-Day War. Now, let me just say to our listeners that Israel in 1948 only had, from the Mediterranean Sea up to the old city of Jerusalem, all of East Jerusalem and then all the way down to the Jordan River, was that was under the control of the Jordanians. Yeah, Jer- the Jerusalem was split in half. That's right. And Jerusalem was a divided city between mm-hmm. West and East. And so what happened in 1967 when Israel won that war as a result of knowing they were about to be attacked on numerous fronts by the Muslim enemies— they liberated both Judea and Samaria. So today, in, when the talking heads in the press keep talking about the occupied territories or West Bank, it's not the West Bank. It's not the occupied territories. This is biblical Judea and Samaria, which was land that God had given to the Jewish people through the child of promise, Isaac. And in fact, in Genesis 15, what's interesting is we don't have a map to show them. I have one, actually. But what it shows is 
that they the land that God actually promised them, uh, and they've never occupied all that land. They've never claimed it all. And the reason for that was they were disobedient to God because they didn't do what God told them to do when God brought them into the land under the leadership of Joshua over as recorded in the book of Joshua. But they are going to have it one day when Jesus Christ returns to reign in peace for a thousand years upon this earth. But that said, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Palestinians who are trapped. And let me use that word. They are trapped in Gaza. The Jews don't trust them. The, the, the Hamas hates them. When If they try to flee, the first thing happens, either they take away their, their credentials that would allow them to, to travel. And, and, of course, we now know that thousands and thousands have fled, and now Egypt has shut the border down, so they can't get there either because they don't want them. And so the result is, is anyone who tries to flee, now Hamas just shoots and, and kills them. Mm. And, and they have no, no life, and, and, and they've tried to revolt against Hamas in the past. But you have to remember, Hamas has a religious ideology rooted in Islam, and the people don't have weapons. They have the weapons. Mm-hmm. And here we are, and, and, I want, and I just want to say this, and I, I know some of our listeners, they're going to be shocked that I would say this, but America— has blood on its hands because we have given multiplied hundreds of millions of dollars to the Palestinians in Hamas that are, uh, Hamas and those who are in control of that area. But let me back up a minute and say this. The area today that we're talking about is the Gaza Strip. It's about 40 miles south of, of Tel Aviv in length and so forth. And so it was, first of all, Clinton came up with the idea. Then George W. Bush in 2007 pressured the Israelis to give up more land. Now, they gave up Bethlehem and Jericho and some of these other areas already, and that was under the control of what was called the Fatah, okay? And that was Yasser Arafat and his crowd. But this area of Gaza was the most beautiful part of Israel. Beautiful white sandy beaches, marvelous hotels, restaurants, incredible agriculture. I've been there. I was there myself in the early days. And, And yet... The, when the military came in and virtually bodily moved the Jewish settlers, the people who had their homes and businesses, moved them out and forced them to relocate. And we all said, and I say we all, many of us said, if you do this, Gaza Strip will become a launching pad for terrorism because it's so in proximity to Tel Aviv. That's exactly what happened. And ever since this happened in 2007, it has been just exactly that. And the tragedy is Hamas takes their weapons and rockets, etc. They put them in the basements of schools and hospitals and apartment buildings so that if Israel hits that, those missiles and rockets and so forth, if they hit that, innocents die. And that's what they want because they're, they're playing a publicity game. Mm, yeah, so, so much to think about. And just, um, again, an encouragement as always from Know Why to think critically about the issues in our world, mm-hmm. what we see in the media. Um, and because, you know, oftentimes the, the first thing that you hear isn't true. The, mm. the truth is, you know, in the details and it's not always, you know, 
super clean cut or simple, which is why it's so helpful to have you on to take us through this complicated history going back thousands of years of Israel and the conflict there and and where that really stems from. And so um, there's just, you know, something that I wanted to mention before we wrap up, and then I'll give you a minute to maybe share some additional resources um, if people want to learn more about what you've said. Mm -hmm. But right now, almost half, 47% of Americans describe themselves as religious. Um, and another 80, 33% describe themselves as spiritual. So that's 82% of people in America who profess to believe in something more than just the physical realm, whether that's God or a particular religious belief. Um, so I think that's important to say when we talk about the spiritual reasons behind the conflicts that we're seeing um, and kind of a spiritual battle that is happening behind the physical wars that we're seeing, that really shouldn't be a surprise if people truly believe in a spiritual realm, which a majority profess to believe in. In addition to that, the Bible teaches us that the closer we get to the actual return of Jesus Christ, which is going to happen at some point, then there is going to be a great falling away now, what my friend, George, Dr. George Barna, who is a premier Christian researcher probably in, in America, uh, George and I have been friends for many years, and, and I will tell you his research is phenomenal because what he's showing now is that in light of the statistics you just shared with us a moment ago, less than 30% of people who claim to be evangelical born-again Christians, now these are the people who would say that that they have Faith alone in Christ alone. Okay, mm-hmm. let's put that use that definition. Less than 30% actually have a biblical worldview. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons that I understand that is because I travel across the country, the country preaching in churches of all different types. And the reality of it is, is what I'm finding is this. We have the most ignorant generation concerning the Bible since America has come into existence. It's staggering. Mm -hmm. Today, so many people, and I'm going to say that on average, probably 75, 80% of people that walk into a church door never even carry a Bible. They they just don't read the Bible. They may go because they love the music. They love the fellowship, whatever. They like to hear uh, this uh, encouraging, uh, uplifting, exciting message from this young guy or whatever that preaches and so forth and so on. But the reality is they walk out basically the same. And it's really tragic because we're seeing this real falling away from from the authority of Scripture. Because, you see, I can have an opinion, and that's fine. It's my opinion. You can have one. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But there's only one source of truth, and that is the reliability of the Word of God that has been proven time and time and time through the ages. And yet today, the Bible's been marginalized so much so that we now have people who claim I'm spiritual or I'm this or I'm that. But in reality, when you start drilling down on that and saying, well, tell me what you believe about salvation. How do you how do you get to, well, do you know that recent surveys show us that over 75% of the people still believe that salvation is partially due to your works? Mm-hmm. And if that were true, there wouldn't be any need for Jesus to die on the cross. Right. And so it's really amazing how far we've moved away from real genuine truth. Today, we have that mindset that, well, what's true for you, Liberty, may not be true for me. So we have that, you know, it's my truth. No, no, no. 
there's only one source. Mm-hmm. And, and we've marginalized it and ignored it, and, and, and we don't want to listen to it. Because, hey, if you're going to claim today to be a follower of Christ, God puts some requirements there. Mm-hmm. And one of those is that you must turn from your sin nature, commit yourself to Jesus Christ, trust him to forgive you of your sin, not to make you perfect because we're not going to be in that state, but to be forgiven and then to set apart on a new path. You know, the Bible says that that when we give our lives to Christ, we become a new creature created in Christ Jesus. If you're still the, the, the same and there's never been a change in your life, then you've not met Jesus because the Bible is is one narrative after after another about when the, you meet him, he changes you. Yeah, and that's I love that you talk about all that, and that's something that we definitely will have more on the Know Why podcast is digging into what does the Bible actually teach mm-hmm. about Christianity. How can we know that the Bible is true? There's a whole uh, you know study or body of study on the historicity of the Bible mm-hmm. and knowing that it's in a trustworthy source. And so those are series that we're going to have on the Know Why podcast. But like you said, that's a conversation for a yeah, future episode. Absolutely. So, um, and th- thank you so much for joining and talking to us about this very timely issue. Um, we appreciate it. And if there's just a website or something you want to give your listeners or well, our listeners. I've, I've written a number of books. Many of them, one, my latest book is called The Event, The Dream of World Peace Realized. And I've written a book called The Miracle of Israel. Also, It Could Happen Tomorrow, Future Events That Will Shake the World. I write primarily on the subject of biblical prophecy based on what the Scripture says and drawing conclusions based not only on the Scripture but what I happen to know about the world at large and the Middle East in particular because the very center of God's eye is not America, it's Israel. Mm-hmm. In fact, Zechariah 2, 9 says that, that whoever touches Israel touches the apple of his eye. And so these books are available, on most of them on Amazon or Christian bookstores or whatever, but anyone who wanted to email me can certainly send me an email just with the word email at GaryFrazier.com. And it's F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, GaryFrazier.com. And I get about 250 to 300 mail, emails a day, and I try to answer those emails as best that I can. That's a great resource, and we'll post that on KnowWhyPodcast.com as well. Thank you again, Dr. Frazier, and thank you for listening to the Know Why Podcast.